Welcome to Haniel's All About Enkelfähig podcast, where Scott and I explore the essence of the philosophy of Enkelfähig and its positive impact on the economy of our businesses and the lives of the people working in them. In today's episode, we spoke to Dr. Hannes Meckel, Head of Legal and GRC at Haniel, all about compliance, its different policy areas, and how compliance provides the necessary foundation for Enkelfähig. Um, Hannes Meckel is my name. I'm the head of legal and GRC for the Haniel Group. GRC, I think legal everybody understands. GRC is a bit of uh, requires a bit of an explanation. Governance, risk, and compliance. So essentially, um, I'm leading the legal department and compliance department for the Haniel Group. With my team, we're working primarily uh, on all legal aspects you would expect um, to be covered. In our business, that's mostly portfolio transformation, so M&A, but also sort of on the governance side, it's compliance management, it's risk management, and internal controls. So that's our core business, basically, that we're engaged in. Okay, perfect. Thank you for that. Um, and what you were saying about compliance being, uh, you know, in most people's minds, the rule of law and following that, uh, there's a second aspect Uh, to that that you were mentioning, can you can you maybe touch on that again? Yeah, sure. So as you as you say, I think part one is 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 basic. It's foundational. It's you're doing things by the book, um, um, complying with the law. I think everybody understands that you can't be around um, in the next twenty, fifty, hundred years if you don't do that. So that's very much a non-negotiable, and I think everybody understands that. But as you indicate, the second aspect has um, more to do with. Um, the set of values that guide us in the way we uh, approach doing business. Um, and they're obviously subject to change over time. And in order to be enkelfähig, you have to sort of have an anchor in the set of values that uh, drive you and that guide you to, to the future. And what I, I associate that with that personally um, is that um, for grandchildren, of employees, of owners, of other stakeholders, for us to be around and be relevant, not just to be around and successful, but to be relevant as an employer where people say, that's where I want to work, that's where I still want to be an owner in, that's where I want to invest in potentially, I want to do business with um, in order to be successful, you have to have relevance in, in, in the current environment. You have to have a set of values that rings true Uh, with um, the people that you interact with, employees, suppliers, customers. They need to be able to say, you know, that's the company I want to work with. That's the company I want to do business with because I agree with the way they do business. Okay, and I may I ask like a controversial question maybe? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Love it. I have a, um, you're, you're talking about things changing over time, right? Um, but the earth that we live on is living in, different times at the same time, right? And Hanyo uh, is invested in global players and will be moving forward uh, even more. Um, does compliance vary over distance? Um, what's the, how, how do we deal with the situation of a, a country uh, um, that has different uh, values uh, and, and it, doesn't, it conflicts with uh, other places yeah. and their values? Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a good question because I think... Um, People listening to this may have encountered this themselves in, in their daily work. And the more international you are as an organization, the more you have to pay attention to this because, as you say, the world is not shaped as one and laws are not the same everywhere. But that's back to my earlier point. That's why it's so important that you as an organization 
not only say I'm going to comply with the law, in, in, in addition, as a layer on top of that, I have my set of values that we think as an organization sort of trump that and guide us when we have those situations. So we will, we will always, um, you know, let's take a very simple example. We, not, we will not bribe a harbor customs official, even though technically maybe it used to be the case many years ago that was legal uh, in that country that you would, you would uh, consider now uh, uh, far away. Whereas it wouldn't be at home, and um, uh, that's why we would apply the toughest standards, our standards, everywhere else. That's the legal part. On the value side, you know, when we say it may that that's a decision a business has to make. What kind of company do we invest in? Who do we do business with? Uh, give you an example: Do we invest in a company that does um, uh, sort of um, uh, does? does Animal animal testing, or mm -hmm. that's an ethical question. It's not necessarily legal or illegal. It may be legal in some places, illegal in others. But you make a fundamental decision as an organization, and again, that's just an example that you won't do that, and that your employees and your stakeholders understand that that's what you stand for. That's what you will do, and you'll do that everywhere. Okay, so as a as an employee within a a, a Hanyo business unit, let's say um, there are. Um, legal uh, sides that I have to adhere to when doing business, uh, and then there are going to be or there are uh, compliance uh, um, issues that I have to understand uh, right. and, and how to be compliant with. Exactly. If you look at our code of ethics, that's why we call it not a code of law or a code of rules. We call it a code of ethics because we we and actually that's 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 nothing new but it it is important to have that connection between legal behavior and ethical behavior because these are connected but two different things um and that is much more difficult for individuals myself included to decide depending on what kind of dilemma we're facing or or finding ourselves in and that's when it's helpful to have sort of a compass i would almost say That uh, and that's why we're there for in our organization to help um, have that conversation with us or with the teams to make sure we make the right decision. We call that doing the right thing or doing business right. Um, and arguably, that's not always easy to determine. You know, there are gray areas in the law, but there are even grayer areas in the ethical world. And uh, what we are trying to articulate with our core values, but also with guidance we give around that, is that you basically have, uh, I wouldn't say a methodology, but you have sort of a guidance uh, that um, takes you through that decision-making. And it's really quite simple in the end of the day. You know, I, I, I used to work for a very um, admirable general counsel in my previous world, and, and it comes down to simple things like, is this something I would be proud to tell friends about or my children about? Could I literally look myself in the mirror the next day and think, that I've done this well, that I've done this in line with my personal conscience. And organizations have a personal conscience in a way. You know, we work at a, an organization that is not only paying us well and provides us with an interesting job, but also that makes me say, I like working there. I like talking to people at a dinner party that I'm working there. And there are arguably companies in most recent history where people that worked there weren't exactly proud to talk about that um, uh, you know, um, in, in, in social settings because they were just not Uh, doing things right, whether that has to do with you know <laughs> emissions coming out of your car or uh, bribery abroad. I mean, we all know these big examples. How do you or how does one, how does a company um, deal with the 
the inequalities uh, when being compliant. Yeah. So let's go back to your um, port authority, uh, where we might be in a in a country, and I don't know too many countries where bribery is legal, but it's definitely accepted practice or best practices, and or you know it's it's it happens, and there's no way to make anything happen without it happening. So, um, how do you deal with the what's the word I'm looking for the 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 competition uh, yeah, it could problematic. Be your your point is probably sorry for jumping in, but no, no, it's yeah, fine. it could be is could it be a disadvantage? You know, yeah, um, uh, in a competitive sense, and um, in the in the very short term, and again, you're absolutely right. Your bribery today in this day and age is 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 universally illegal. Not not to mention that maybe the, it, it's obviously still happening. Um, there used to be days where that was a little bit different, but um, be that as it may. Um, and I think that's also one of the the statements we make, and it's clear for everybody that the short term gain is never justified by cutting corners or th- uh, uh, by you know through cutting corners. Uh, we 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 consciously take that disadvantage because we strongly believe that in the long run, and here we are again uh, at the Enkefeig term in the long run. That business practice pays off. It makes us a better business partner. It makes us a more attractive employer. It makes us a more forthright and more forthright organization. And ultimately, that'll that'll make us successful and will still be around uh, in a hundred and something years. Whereas those who engage in these practices, I wager, wager to say, they probably aren't. Now, cynics would say, you know, there are a lot of fundamental rule violations that have left companies uh, unscathed, even though they paid heavy fines. But again, I'd argue um, that um, uh, the the jury is still out on many of those, and they've suffered enormous damage, and certainly to this day, uh, a huge credibility issue in the market. And also, if you ask their employees, um, 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 that has that has taken taken a hit. So, uh, short short answer to the question is. We're very clear on that. Mm-hmm. There's no cutting corners, and we would walk away from business if that if that's the only way to get it. We won't do it. Okay, can you give me an example of a of a of a gray area? You said even in the ethical uh, compliance side of it, it's even grayer of a gray area where um, you know Hanio fell on one side of it, although it could have fallen on the other. I mean, just so I understand what kind of gray areas we're talking. Yeah, I about. think the. the the best example, without going into too much detail, but but is is when we screen companies uh, for potential acquisitions. We obviously look at their business model, we look at their profitability, and all the sort of key financial data. But we also look at sort of their their and actually we'll talk about sustainability. But mm-hmm. we also look at obviously their compliance infrastructure. We look at um, sort of how how their executives, especially because they are the key. Um, 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 in, in terms of bringing the business forward, how do they? How seriously do they take that? And there have been cases where we have um, had our doubts, and ultimately that was not the only reason, but ultimately shied away from it and decided not to not to uh, go after that target mm-hmm. uh, because we think it wasn't a cultural fit, and certainly including um, sort of their their take on compliance and ethics. But you're right; it's a gray area, and I would make one more point you know, I think that's important because it always seems that you can write rules about everything and um, um, that's true to an extent you know, it's an interesting segue into also psychology and sociology because um, um, we can agree on a set of rules you know what's forbidden but ultimately you cannot really agree 
definitively on a set of ethical rules. So what do you do when XYZ happens? You can say, you know, if you drive your car on the highway, you shouldn't go higher than speed limit. That's a clear rule. Um, but how you decide in an ethical or moral dilemma, you cannot prescribe all these all these situations that, especially those that have to make decisions every day, find themselves in. Mm. And that's why the conversation is the key thing. You know, we do not pretend that all of that is self-explanatory. The key message we like to bring out to the teams is that they don't make this decision alone. We get together as an as a team, as an organization, with us or with 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 the management team, to make sure we make this eyes wide open, and that the consequences of that decision, and it's not really right or wrong in the end of the day in the legal sense. It's about does that really jibe with our values, with our set of values, and if we together come to the decision, yes, it does, then you know, fine, we'll go for it. But I think the conversation. Uh, the sounding boards, the brainstorming is the key around that, so that 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 folks can have input on that on that decision process because it's arguably it's it's tricky. When did you hear about Anglefay for the first time? To be honest, I think I came across that term the first time uh, when I um, sat in the lobby at Franz Hanielplatz um, in Duisburg, waiting for my first interview. I had done a little little bit of research, um, but that first interview came pretty quickly and unexpected at the time, and I okay. just went. And there was this chronic, uh, I think the family chronic, and also the art book of the of the of the the the, the art collection, and a newsletter that I think back then was put out on a quarterly basis, and they were talking about Enkelfeich, and I thought, hmm, that's an interesting that's an interesting concept. Um, and obviously, it wasn't new, um, uh, already a coined term, but I think now taken to to a whole different level. That's when the first. That was the first time. Did it Did it mean something to you immediately, or did did it strike you as yeah, something I could, special? Yeah, in, in, in the context of a family-owned company that's been around for you know, hundreds of years, I, I at least intuitively could make the connection yeah. right away. Um, it has to do with. Um, being able, be, being consistent, but also uh, 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 flexible and agile enough to be around and to matter long enough so that in 100 years from now, we'd still say, by and large, um, maybe some poor decisions were made from a, from a business perspective, but overall, you know, we've, 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 we've charted the right, right course and are still around. Yeah. You mentioned uh, um, asking yourself a question, something along the lines of, uh, "Would this make me proud, or is this something I would be happy to have my name on?" You know, just asking like yeah. this, this ethical question before you make any decisions. One of the things I would like to see us start doing is say, "Is this ankle fake?" Before I do it, and I, yeah. I think that that uh, automatically includes most of the generally understood um, moralities or ethical questions along with it. There's yeah. there's very few scenarios where I would say, "Is this ankle fake?" Yes, it is, and then I'm completely uncompliant with what most people would understand as far yeah. as ethics are concerned. That's a that's a good way to put it, and and it you know ties back ties us back to what we said in the beginning. You know, uh, is this ankle fake in terms of? Legal sustainability. Yeah, you know, um, um, does it does it keep the company safe? Does it keep us safe from from legal harm, uh, from repercussions? But also in the sort of generational sense, in the forward looking sense, would my children or my grandchildren um, or um, uh, the, the family of the owners or the family of suppliers that depend on us, 
would they would they think that was a good call? You know, would they would they say that that felt right, or or would they say, oh, um, I I don't quite I don't quite agree with that. It isn't in my in my in my sort of value system ranked very highly. That's that's right. I, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned bandwagon. One of the one of the things that I mean, that's that's basically you know it's being titled as greenwashing. We we learned about pinkwashing. I think was what it was called with mm. diversity because I asked a couple of questions in that direction whether there are positions being filled there. But that's usually what happens when people aren't either completely on board or they're just doing it because they're supposed to. So there's there's a lot of that uh, going on, and um, it's just. In, I have in, a ve- in this area as well. Um, I think it took a lot of very painful lessons that, um, thankfully, others had to learn. And it's not that you know, we also have you know, every business will have slip ups, right? I mean, it's human. In the end of the day, uh, also human. Uh, it's a human uh, failing, um, and sometimes it's systemic failing um, because you you have let things slide. And we are by no ways, by no means, can sit here and say, you know, we are, we, we are perfect. N- nobody, mm-hmm. nobody is. You, you will have, mis- you make mistakes. Um, but as we've seen, I think in in other examples, much bigger companies than than ours, when I, I'm trying to think, think of a washing term, it's probably. I was going to say like uh, law washing, legal washing. I don't know no, what it would be like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it's probably it's probably uh, whitewashing or um, you know vice versa. The, mm-hmm. the the sort of being unblemished, um, where, and that ties back to also what I said earlier. Um, the difference between a program that sits there for the sake of it, you know, like a pillar, and you have it on your website, you have a code of ethics, you have, you train everybody once a year, and that's it. Yeah. And, and I think we all immediately intuitively understand that that won't work, yeah. just like sustainability and diversity, that doesn't work. If you have a statement on your website, you have to actually do the hard work, and it has to be ingrained and be sort of in, an integral part of the way you operate, the way mm. you do business. Now, obviously, you can't you know, sort of suffocate the business operation with compliance. Then you're not getting anywhere, uh, and we're very conscious of that. It has to sort of intersect and and ma- be married with the way we do business successfully. Can't hinder us. It can't topple us, but it has to be an integral part of the business processes. That means you know that our CEOs and and our business leaders and our employees are engaged in it. Whether it's hiring, just like they are thinking about diversity. They think about compliance in the way they hire and the way they rate people. We think about compliance when we and Enkelfähig in the sense we just talked about and the way we look at targets and the way we want to develop companies. How are they getting better? Not only more profitable, but also better as an organization. So it 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 needs to be sort of in ingrained in, in the way we, we operate. So that's not really a second thought, ideally. Mm-hmm. Ideally it's not a second thought. It's natural because yeah. I would I would I would say I would ask those questions. I would speak up. I would say, wait a minute, that doesn't look right. That doesn't feel right. Um, Hannes or whoever, what do you think? Can we discuss, please? Yeah. So you've you've mentioned a couple times being able to be proud of work where you work or in a, in a dinner setting where you're telling someone that you that you work somewhere and being proud of it. I think the emotional part of this is what ties it all together. And that's what Ankelfeich means to me. Like compliance is without emotion. 
But as soon as you you can you can be emotional about compliance, about the ethical part of the compliance specifically, um, but at the same time you have all the other concepts like diversity and like lean. If you bring all these things together under an emotional uh, blanket where someone can actually identify with and someone can actually have feelings about, um, I feel like that's what Ankle Fay has to almost prevent it from becoming something you just do. Because it's, it's. Do you feel the same way? Do you understand what I'm saying with that? Yeah, taking it, take it maybe a, a a a bit further, or maybe I'm only paraphrasing, but but it ties it together. I think what what attracted me to Haniel in the first place is that I really believe this is a credible, fantastic story that hangs together. You know, um, because it and you can connect it to Enkelfeh, to the transformation, to you know building the bridge from the past into the future over an extended period of time, making something out of a storied uh, business um, um, uh, that, that'll, that'll still be around in 50 or 100 years is a tremendous opportunity and a tremendous responsibility in the positive sense. And I think we all um, uh, would say that whether you're dealing in products or sustainability or digital or um, uh, in hiring if 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 that is connected by a term that we all can translate into what that means for us in the daily operational environment that we're trudging along you know monday through friday or or longer yeah. uh, then i think that's 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 yes emotional but also i think it creates passion and in the end of the day um you want to be passionate about what what you're doing that keeps you going i mean mm-hmm. um 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 there are plenty of, especially in this day and age, plenty of employers out there who are looking for smart people. But I think that's another change that I think we've witnessed clearly over the last 10 or so years, that there's more to it, right? People want to identify with where they work um, and, um, as you say, have an emotional connection with where they are. Obviously, you want to be paid well and fairly and all of that. Granted, without that, it gets, it gets harder. Uh, but I think that's really... That makes the difference, and I think if I'm pretty convinced, and most most of my colleagues that I work with are pretty convinced that that's the way to go, that's the way to be, and it resonates when I talk to in hiring processes, when I talk to potential candidates, you can tell as I hear myself speak about that, <laughs> I see the lights go off in in, in yeah. or on in the in in the other person, and they put it together, you know, because it it literally hangs together. I think it's a and not just a story. We now have spent enough time um, and have uh, enough um, sort of horsepower on the road now that we can say we've we have some proof points. You know, we're actually doing this. It's not. Um, it starts with the program. It starts with the concept. It starts with the vision. But I think now, a few years in, the fascinating thing and the encouraging thing is that it starts to shape up. Do you think we as a society are just becoming more? ethical um and that's why Who? that's why people are attracted to this as far as being their employees or, or wanting to work at companies like that yeah if you look at if you look at the world right now and societies at large you could have serious doubts about <laughs> that unfortunately depending on where in the world you are you know, um, and um um, that's a that's a tough one. We probably have to make a separate podcast series about that. My wife is American, and the last four years or five years have been in that regard rather rather trying. But that just as an as an aside, 
maybe because of that, I, I think uh, one counter reaction to that is that, mo and again, most people are not like that. Most people have a good moral compass and have an ethical foundation. And fundamentally, I truly believe, and I think we see that in our personal environments with our friends and family, they want to do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and they're very disgusted by some of what's going on. And maybe that that's a theory here, but I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if we could validate that 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 intensifies the the desire to not only be with people that reflect that, but also with an employer organization that reflects that for sure. I think that has become more important. Um, and vice versa, um, I think for organizations as well to distinguish themselves and to be um, credible in, 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 in the longer term, um, that, has, that has become, um, again, credibly done. Mm -hmm. you know, not, not, as we said earlier, sort of as a poster on the wall. That has become a differentiation that's, 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 that's really paying dividends. So yes, I think, I think um, um, people are drawn to that. Um, it, it's, it's, it's become cer certainly more of a priority, I get the sense. Yeah. Would you animate someone who is working in a company basically making no decisions, but above them decisions are being made that go against their own moral compass. Uh, would you animate them to make a change based on that? And I'm not talking about very obvious uh, uh, things, but if, if that gray area is is mm -hmm. interpreted differently from uh, my employer, yeah. um, do you think that that person would be happier if they made a change looking more for that moral compass to work within an organization that, that's aligned with them more? Absolutely. I, I, I think so. You know, because... Well, two two points I would make. One, um, you know, one of our values is courage. Is is is, and we encourage very much to speak up. Um, that's easier said than done, arguably, depending on where you are in the organization, because there's always a latent uh, uh, worry that that will backfire. But we hope to be able to provide an environment where that's not only encouraged but also honored. That people, when we always say, question the status quo, right? And we all have. Have different different views on you know, how radical the change should be, or whether or not the status quo is good um, or, or or sub substandard, and what you know what the what the trajectory should be that we should aim for. But we need to have that discussion, and certainly, if uh, uh, colleagues think uh, that there is something um, that we should do better, that um, we should do better from an ethical or process standpoint doesn't matter mm -hmm. they should they should bring that up that that's in the end the richness that's the power of a of an empowered organization is that we get the best thoughts on the table what we do with it or the decision makers do with it is is another question um, you know is another topic but it all should be brought up and then we 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 debate it and we come to a conclusion um, and hopefully incrementally make make everything better. And certainly in the compliance arena, I can only repeat, you know, we absolutely depend, our livelihood depends on people watching out for us and for each other mm -hmm. and, and raising concerns if they have any. But then going back on the ethical side, you know, there, there, there may be a set of ethical values that we set or decisions or boundaries that we set that people don't agree with. That's, that is theoretically possible. You know, if you are if you are working, let's take the opposite. You know, if you are working in a 
you know, fossil fuel-based industry and you really are concerned about climate change, you know, being in the fossil fuel industry obviously is, is, is still very much legal and is a good thing in a certain way of, of keeping us warm and, and going, much part, uh, large part of the world. But um, I used earlier the example of you know, animal testing or what, take, take sort of non, non-legal issues that are in the ethical arena. And if, 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 if colleagues see that that's not quite aligned with how, how, how they personally uh, would translate those values for themselves or they have a different uh, categorization or prioritization on values, then yes, then maybe that's not the right place for you to work because you will always be at odds. And fighting it from the inside to try to change it, that's maybe a laudable cause for a while, but ultimately probably won't lead lead to much. It leads to frustration. Leads to frustration and, uh, and, yeah. and, and yeah, be feeling and being uh, on the sidelines and, and, and um, it's the opposite from being empowered. It's the opposite from being a, uh, making a contribution. A- again, these are the two different aspects. So try and, try and get, get the voice heard um, uh, and taking things into consideration. <clears throat> um, that's, that's important. That's valuable. But if you find a misalignment in the value system, then, then that's, that's not that's, – that there, there, there probably is no future. Okay. Um, see something, say something is a little bit uh, what I got in the back of my mind when you're at an airport kind of thing. So um, – that is uh, a core system or a core idea uh, within Hanyo that um, anyone should be able to voice their concerns. Let's just stick with compliance for now, but yeah. also like processes. So um, I think you mentioned a hotline at some point that you were talking about when we when we had our first conversation. Is that something you can tell us about? Um, yeah, sure. Um, no, absolutely right. Um <clears throat> That is something we we actively encourage, and and um, certainly we want to provide as many avenues as possible for people to to raise their their points or their concerns or their questions for that matter. Because as we said earlier, navigating that 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 landscape isn't isn't always intuitive. So we want the dialogue, we want the discussion um, to make sure we are treading uh, in there the right way and getting to the right outcome. Um, but when you talk about compliance concerns specifically, yes, obviously you can go. You always come to me. You come to my team uh, in legal GRC or in the legal teams and, and compliance teams in the business units. Go to the HR manager. Go to your immediate manager. That's actually what statistics very clearly show what most people do. But there obviously are situations where that is not the preferred route because of, again, maybe fear fear of retaliation, fear of negative consequences. So it's important, and that's also by now, thankfully, a legal requirement that every organization above a certain size provides a sh- secure avenue for anonymous reporting, and um, you know, we we so far had a phone line that that was sort of bare minimum. Now we have a, a very secure, safe uh, third-party system set up with a provider, external provider who f- manages that for us. You can communicate with them via email or telephone in any language in the world, uh, and they will anonymize. It'll be anonymous, and they'll keep it anonymous. It's on servers in a secure area in Europe. And we only get the message uh, then translated um, as a case file number that we can then start investigate and ask questions back through a secure server on an anonymous basis, and hopefully, um, you know, then get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. And those those are important 
uh, important indications um, because time and again, um, there may be nine times out of ten where um, uh, we thankfully then uh, discover uh, um, that um, uh, um, the compliance violation didn't take place or ideally may have even prevented it. But it's one of the most effective ways to protect the organization um, uh, to have to have that being being used very very actively. Okay. So we encourage that. Uh, we want it. It's a it's a it's a sign of a very healthy compliance culture if people use this. And that's available to all employees Everyone. in their business units. Yeah, we'll we'll do more communication on that. We've launched it on our internal website. The business units are now rolling it out one okay. by one. They'll have communication coming out this month. Uh, most of them or the next four to five weeks. Uh, you can also ultimately probably later this month have it externally available because you also want the outside in look um, um, for suppliers, let's say, or customers. Um, that um, let's take that example of of maybe uh, problematic working conditions at a supplier in you know some faraway region where human rights may be threatened that we need to know of. And actually, we have under the law soon we have an active obligation to make sure that that doesn't happen as a as a customer. Yeah, that's coming. I've never been eaten by a lion. I'll start. I saw. I'll start this question with that. I've never been eaten by a lion, but I can only imagine uh, that it's a lot less painful if the lion doesn't have teeth. And I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but w how do you enforce compliance? Because we have the legal side. There's jails for that, but uh, yeah. On on the ethical side, that's a harder. That's a harder question. I think the best thing you can do. Um, is um, to to be as as open and transparent about uh, your expectations as you can be, and provide guidance and assistance in making those decisions. But I think it's hard to fathom. I'm trying to think of examples, but where sort of because making the wrong ethical decision, you know what what is that? I think we as in the ideal case, we make that after. Um, Weighing the pros and cons and coming to that conclusion as an organization, as a team, as mm -hmm. a uh, 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 as a subset of 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 a team, and uh, then obviously the outcome of that is that we will face the consequences because we made that ethical choice. It's not illegal, so therefore you know it's something we need to stand for. Um, we may revise that decision and say ultimately we'll not make wouldn't have made it knowing what we know today and we'll never make it again and learn from it. But it's a totally different sort of rule set uh, yeah. than it is on the sort of legal compliance side. Uh, I call it. I would refer to more sort of continuous uh, uh, social and ethical learning um, um, because um, again it's 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 you know uh, charting charting the waters and. Making sure we do the best that we can. That's mm. by no means saying we will look in the rear review mirror a week, a month, or ten years from now and say that that probably knowing what we know today wasn't a good decision. It yeah. wasn't wrong. Nobody gets fired for it or fined for it. That's not what we're talking about. But it's probably a decision we would make differently today. Have you yourself ever been in a, a situation where uh, you were forced to make an ethical decision, an ethical decision that you were possibly not happy with your decision then and after the fact? Yeah, I, uh, 
I, I'm leaving aside sort of my my wild youth and other other periods in my <laughs> life where I may oh, have I not been fully that. fully <laughs> you know fully legally there. But um, yes, one thing comes to mind, and um, I still have to say it's not a, it's not a big deal. I don't think. Um, but where I afterwards and to this day think, why haven't I said anything? And I think it's a good example of how we're not talking about you know huge diesel scandals or massive briberies or anything yeah. that that is not what people deal with every day you know that uh, we're talking about the little things the little things that creep in um the timid the timid behavior not speaking up um, uh, looking away when somebody makes a stupid joke or um not speaking up when you ordinarily you would you would tell your child Listen, you know that you, we don't do that, right? And and so that 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 I think is 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 the situation we're we're talking about here. We were it was a different employer. We were out for dinner, and I was invited and didn't expect to be, and it felt it was kind of an honor to be. It was a bunch of big wigs, you know, senior officers in in the company that flew over from 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 the states and invited us all from. No discernible reason I could see, but we, they had a big dinner planned in the city, and I was invited. I thought that's great. They include the lawyer; that's always nice. And I was a small lawyer at the time. I mean, not that I'm a big one now, but I mean, I was a junior, yeah. right? Junior. Um, and uh, so I went along. And the the unwritten rule always was, and I think it's a perfectly sensible rule: the senior officer on deck pays the bill, right? Because yep. they have the biggest budget. Apart from the fact that that person also invited us all, so I would have never dreamed of going to that place. I couldn't afford it, and we're spending company money. So if that person decides to invite ten people, you know, so then that guy, uh, after many many bottles of wine, says, "Ha ha ha! We're going to now throw all our credit cards into a hat, and whoever pulls out the card, whosever whose card is pulled out, they're going to pay the bill." And guess oh, what? No. Guess what? My card was pulled. No, it didn't. Now you can you can say, all right, this is one company. In the end of the day, it's left pocket, right pocket. Yeah. And you know, it's it ends up somewhere on somebody's bill. But then thinking about it, it's not right on several levels. First of all, it disregarded the rule that we all live by um, that senior officer pays. I don't have that kind of budget. I need a lot of explaining to do. It wasn't my invitation. And uh, I had to go to my boss and say, I have this several hundred euro bill at a restaurant somewhere that I normally would never go to because this this dude was pulling this trick mm -hmm. and he thought it was funny. And I should have said, no, I should have said, are you out of your mind? You know, and, and maybe I could have said it more politely and said, I, I don't quite think that's the way we do things here. But that's still to this day where I thought, what, what was I thinking? Why didn't I have the guts to say, no. Yeah, uh, and and it's in these it, these these small moments. They happen every not every day, <laughs> but they happen a lot. And I think hopefully they happen a lot, and they happen listening almost every to this. <clears throat> yeah, and and you know there are um, whether it's whether it's things you see people say or do or you know in the small thing. And and I think that's where that 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 that's also <laughs> to to link it back. You know, Enkelfeich. I think we all agree on a set of values, but we have to. We have to live them, and we have to all see each other doing them and, and acting on them in the small as much as in the in the big context. Then it's then it's credible, then it's sustainable, and then it's enkelfähig. And that's when I think 
everybody uh, working with us and for us will feel good about where they are. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, we will be talking to Moritz Merkert, who is a member of the Haniel portfolio team. Moritz explains Haniel's focus for future investments and how Enkelfeg will act as a stringent guideline for him and his colleagues moving forward. Mm -hmm.